When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Scottish Football Podcast, the podcast brought to you by Global Pandemic Organiser, Zoom Teleconference Services. Uh, I'm Graham Phyllis, and it's a beautiful day we can't go out into, so I'm joined by Craig Anderson to talk through some Scottish football. Hello, Craig. Hi, Graham. How are you doing? Not too bad at all. Uh, once again, sitting in the spare room, speaking in a computer again, but we carry on. Um, we keep doing what we're doing, and it'll be a good laugh. Uh, I hope everybody's keeping well, and you're, you're all enjoying your state-approved daily exercise. We are here to bring you your Monday helping of Terrace Scottish Football podcast content. Today, we've got a couple of wee features, the first of which is the next in our list of memorable Scotland matches, and then we've got a wee feature following that as well. So, we are doing the next on the list of memorable Scotland matches is from the 11th of October t- 2008, as Scotland drew nothing each with Norway. Uh, this might not seem particularly memorable for nothing each, but Craig, tell me why this is an iconic Scotland game. Well, uh, Kirk Broadfoot started it right back. For, two, for the second game in a row, after he was highlighted as not being a technically good footballer, which is still possibly true. I think he, I think he is, but um, no, the, of course the reason that this game is famous is because of Chris Iwilumo. Um Could have been the proudest moment of his life um, and probably turned out to be the worst. Yeah, it's, I, I always feel terribly bad for him, Limo, in that he's got a, a real sort of handful of Scotland caps um, and everything kind of hinged on this moment. It could have changed an awful lot of things, could have made things an awful lot different, which I think I'll go into in, in some real depth in a little bit as, as we go through this as well. But we'll, we'll start off, we'll go through the Scotland team, which was uh, Craig Gordon, uh, Kurt Broadfoot, David Weir, Gary Caldwell and Gary Naismith, uh, midfield of... Uh, Scott Brown, Darren Fletcher, Barry Robson, James Morrison and Sean Maloney with James McFadden as a centre forward. We saw uh, Fletcher and Iwilumo come on from Morrison and McFadden as the game went on. It was sort of a 4-5-1, which is kind of a 4-3-3, which is similar to, uh, if you remember, Mark McGee's first Motherwell side, similar to that, um, which then became a, a sort of flat 4-4-2 when uh, Fletcher and Iwilumo came on when it looked like we needed a game. Uh, or we needed a, needed a goal. Um, Norway had a, a collection of guys that you'll remember in Breda Hangeland, John Arnold Wieser, 
Morgan Gams Pedersen, Stephen Everson, John Carew, as well as uh, football manager legends uh, Daniel Bratton and uh, Christian Grindheim as well, who for a couple of generations of that game were uh, easy pickups at the start of the game as well. I thought that uh, Norway team's a real insight into, you know how you sometimes get people who say, oh, Scotland don't give, in, give, give people enough caps, you know, if uh, we've only got like 20 caps in each of our squads and if we had players getting 80 and 90 caps, we would definitely qualify for stuff. Well, there's one... Well, Scotland, have, out of every European country that have ever qualified for anything, Scotland have gone the longest since they last did. The country immediately after us is Norway. And despite a bunch of that squad getting like 80, 90, in some cases over 100 caps, they also qualified for fuck all. So I, I think maybe the, the lesson is it's more about how good your players are. Yes, capping a player that's not very good 100 times is not going to make that player a better footballer. Uh, fundamentally, I was actually, I, I don't know, I was certainly at this game. Yeah, uh, I was as well, yeah. And was in the, um, the East Stand uh, directly behind Iwilumo, um as the shot came in, and I'm still not entirely sure how he missed. Um, so uh, the, the game itself, um, Scotland, I think it's probably fair to say, certainly my memory of it and watching back a chunk of it, Scotland looked on top for a big part of the game but ultimately fairly sort of blunt in terms of attack, whereas Norway looked very, very dangerous on the on the counter and had a whole series of chances that in reality probably should have finished and, and ended the game before um, before even Iwaluma was on the pitch. Um, I was noted as well, I remember at the time, um, the Norwegian goalkeeper, uh, Jarstein, um, had been dropped after he chucked in a couple against Israel, I think, in a friendly um, and they brought in uh, John Knudsen, a 33-year-old goalkeeper, making his debut. Um, which, again, every time you hear a goalkeeper making his debut, I, I, the immediate thought is uh, the, the Georgian teenager yes. who came in uh, when we took on Georgia on the, channel, on, the, on the game that looked like we might actually qualify, um, who then put in the, well, I was going to say the performance of his life. He didn't really, um, but then kept us out of the... Like all, all those young players that Georgia brought into the team, none of them did a single thing. I think one of them went on and played in Serie A briefly, but it turned out they were just all shit. But, <laughs> but they, it didn't matter. Um, yeah, they, let's say the, the game was was it was a fairly non. It was a fairly a fairly sort of decent contest. Really, with Scotland looking sort of quite frustrated throughout it um, until, as I say, in the well, half an hour to go, half an hour to go, Burnley chucked on a couple of strikers, which. My uh, my memory of uh, Burnley's time as manager was that Scotland was a more sort of open and attacking side, which having followed on from uh, Walter Smith and Alex McLeish wasn't really a, a great surprise. And certainly at the time, I thought that was the, the right thing to do. It seemed like a positive thing to do, given that we had a, a reasonably settled defence um, across the back four and with Greg Gordon and goals, we always looked fairly solid. Um Central midfield again were quite strong, and we had players like Fletcher and Brown, Robson, Hartley for about half the campaign. Barry Ferguson as well, but we'll, we'll, I imagine we'll talk about that later on as well. Um, so again, we had players in those positions, whereas uh, latterly we had um, Ross McCormick was involved as well in various things, and Stephen Fletcher, Evel uh, Lumo, and Boyd, and various other guys. So it felt like a, a chance for us to be a different sort of footballing team um, going forward. Um, one thing I did quite enjoy is that if you have a look at Chris Willemo's soccer base, um, this game doesn't exist. <laughs> I think that's probably for the best. I think he would like it to have, uh, have stayed that way. But I think you're right on that um, 
team for uh, the, the team that we put out, like that was my kind of one memory under Burley was we were trying to be open, we were trying to play football. We had some players. I remember um, James Morrison being particularly good under Burley because he was a player who got on the ball, wanted to pass and stuff. The problem was they, they lacked shape. It was a bit, a, a bit not as bad as, but a bit like Alex McLeish's team from the second time around where he put the players on the part, but you didn't get the sense of like a, a joined-up performance at all. Um, you got individual players doing good things. And, and this campaign, more than any other, I think is a big missed opportunity because we'd, we'd kind of got a ranking up um, through the um, previous campaign. We were on a high. The country, I mean, the, the attendance at this game was um, 51,000. It was our first competitive game. So it was a, a sellout, basically. First competitive game since the Italy game for Euro 2008 at home. Um, so everyone was kind of still quite positive about the Scotland team. Obviously, we had the bad result out in Macedonia. But you could happily put that down. I think we should have had a penalty, the heat, lots of stuff like that. We go to Iceland and we win. And so then you're kind of looking and going, well, do you know what? If we beat Norway here, we're in a right good chance because that was not a strong group. The Netherlands were in it. Um, then we had Norway, we had Iceland, and we had... Um, Macedonia. Macedonia, yeah. And that was it, I think, for that group. And, yeah, we, um, we were in the... Because of the way the groups worked... There were nine groups across the campaign. One team or one group had five, every other group had six, and the, the results against the bottom place team in your group yeah. um, were discounted, which was essentially your San Marinos and, and Faroe Islands uh, sort of teams. And, and so that that's a group that we should absolutely, definitely have finished second in. And it, the amazing thing is we very nearly did anyway, even though we lost in Macedonia, even though... We drew this game 0-0, even though we got absolutely scudded 4-0 in Norway, even though we got absolutely scudded in Amsterdam, up until that last minute, um, last game at home to Holland, when David Weir fell in his arse, yep. we were still going to finish second. It wouldn't have been enough for a playoff place because we would have been the worst second place team. But that's how bad that group is. It's kind of reminiscent of the one that Bertie Votes kind of stumbled through, that we yep. managed to sensationally score with 10 minutes to go to make sure we finished second ahead of Lithuania. Um <laughs> So it was, um, yeah, it was a real missed opportunity that group. And then I think from that point on, yes, we've had some missed opportunities, but that's this one, that one there is by far the easiest group we've had. And and since that that kind of two thousand and eight campaign, when we kind of it seemed to have turned things around. And again, the the, the obvious sort of most important thing in the game is it will almost miss. And the, the person that I've always felt the most sympathy for, uh, and with that is Gary Naismith who Gary Smith had an absolutely fine Scotland career, um, as with the rest of his, his, his general club career. Injury um, sort of hampered him, and, and, and he should, again, as another guy, that should have made 50 caps, realistically. I think he fell four short, um, but probably should have made it to, to 50, which feels like a, a good accolade for him. He was a very good player. And after this game, he only got two more caps. Um, against, uh, what was it? against he, played, he played in the Iceland game. And he played. Uh, I played nice again. There's one, one more beyond that as well. Um, and the run that he makes and the bust that he makes in the box to, to, I mean, he leaves the, the, the Norwegian defenders standing around looking because nobody's picked him up. Nobody knows quite what to do. The ball he puts in is absolutely perfect. And again, it, it would it feels like a, it would have been a really good way to round off what had been a, a good career as a, as a player more than anything else. A great moment of this is a this is a, a huge goal for Scotland. A huge moment provided by Gary Naismith, who 
I think at the time was finally getting a bit of a run and a bit of fitness to get to play it in is- the game. It's one of those classic ones where there's literally two players lined up to put it in because Stephen Fletcher, um, it just evades Fletcher at, at the front post and then it goes to a little back. It kind of reminds me of the opposite end of the stadium, I think, but uh, when Kelly uh, won the League Cup and the ball comes across for Lee Johnson and Van Tornhout's there, but I think it's Paul Heffernan is also behind him ready to header it in. And fortunately, Van Tornhout did actually score from two yards out, um, but... Uh, it's, it's unfathomable. I mean, you see it, you watch it back, you realise that what's happened is he, I think he, he should put it in with his left foot and then his right foot's basically his standing foot and it just bounces off it and goes wide. But that's the thing, I think Bowley took a lot of unfair criticism for bringing Aulimo on in that game. Yes, Chris Boyd was on the bench, but he brought Aulimo and Fletcher on. They roughed up because John Carew down the other point. end had been... Um, Causing us a lot of trouble. Big physical guy, a bit of pace. Iwaluma was not, I mean, he wasn't as good as John Carew, obviously, but he was the same type of player. He did rattle them. We got right on top of that game. The fact that we had gone to 4 4 2 allowed us to have that space that wasn't there before. Because the uh, the front three that we picked for that game must be the smallest front three in Scotland's history. Because it was uh, Maloney on the left, McFadden the centre forward, and James Morrison on the right, who are all midgets. And then they brought two big guys on, and it and it did change the game. It's, I, I, again, I remember it well as well. We we suddenly sort of came into the game an awful lot more because the centre halves had been quite comfortable. We've been sort of restricted. I think Barry Robson had a great volley. I can't remember if it was before or after it, but there's a couple of couple of chances. But the centre halves looked very comfortable um, for a big chunk of the game. And as soon as Fletcher and Devlin came on and started linking up together, right? Okay, well we're, we're buying in this game. We probably look a bit more suspect back away um, because we were not playing a five-man midfield anymore but ultimately we've got to go and try and win the game it's a home game against a, against a side that we, we should be beating at this stage um, and it's, it's one of those great moments because it's like your sort of Scottish football who sh- uh, uh, everyone remembers where they were when they saw it for the first time or they heard it it's like your JFK moment if everyone remembers it exactly um, like I say we were right behind it and celebrated um, yeah no I did as well um, and again the the Sky coverage, which is on YouTube, is sensational as well. Uh, I don't know who it is that's on Cocoms, but he's list- he's looking at it going, what's the referee giving? Because yeah. he doesn't understand that it's going wide, and it's only when they show the reverse angle finally. It's okay. He's gone wide. There, there's, um, there's a, I think it might be like real radio or some radio coverage. Radio Clyde. Radio Clyde. Clyde. And, and it's basically like they're celebrating, and then eventually someone like goes, he's missing it. He goes, oh, no! And it's like the most obvious like Scottish oh, no, ever, because it's like... <laughs> It's just it, you're, it goes to a player two yards out with an open goal. Of course, he's going to score. You even don't you don't think about it. And even even the way that it comes off his foot, it looks as if he's rifled it into the bottom corner, like he's done something even slightly clever. And he's, he's tried to the goalkeeper's assume he'll go the other way, so he's gone across back across to the goalkeeper, which seems like the, the right strike. And thinking that nah, turns out uh, he didn't. But um, for me, I thought this a lot. I thought about this a lot. But for me, this is. It's a huge, one of those sort of huge sliding doors moments um, in, in Scottish football, and particularly for George Burley and for the national team. As you said, we had come into this game having lost in Macedonia. We'd won away in Iceland. And again, you can write off the Macedonia one. It wasn't a great performance, but if you, after the first three games, you've got six points out of nine, it's not a bad return. For me, what everyone was missed kind of sets the rest of the what happens in the rest of the campaign in, in action at that point. Because following this game, if you'll remember, Chris Boyd retired uh, and said he wasn't going to be selected anymore, essentially taking the hump 
uh, because Burnley had chucked on Evaluvo instead of him. Which, again, like you said, you can make that argument one way or another. Evaluvo was in the form of his life at the time, um, and this actually probably killed his club career as well, it felt like it a bit. Well, he didn't yeah. win the Scottish Cup afterwards. True, true. Him and Steve Banks collecting his third Scottish Cup medal. Um, but yeah, it, 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 felt like a, it felt like a sliding doors moment. So what I've done is I've put together the timeline of what would have happened, essentially. So had Evolomo scored, we'd have won the, I think we'd have won the game quite comfortably. What, what, what would have happened is uh, we would have gone 2-0 up, uh, then Norway would have scored with about three minutes to go, and then we would have absolutely shot ourselves but just got through it, because that was what we always did, probably still always do, actually. Yeah, we'll go a bit, again, we take the two points there. Again, the, the extra two points, as you said, wouldn't, still wouldn't have been enough for us to qualify. Um, Norway were the, were the worst setting-place team, but the momentum shift for us would have been enormous. So yeah, let's say you, you lost against Macedonia, we take six points from nine in the opening three games. Following on from that, because I will almost score, Scotland win the game, Chris Boyd doesn't retire from international football. Um, there's no reason for him to, because again, you could throw the hump um, that, you've not been, that, you've, that you've not been brought on in the second half to, to score the goal that wins it. But similarly, Scotland won. So if you if you throw the hump after that, nobody's on your side. After that, sure, we go we go to Amsterdam and we lose in Holland, but that's not a big surprise. That's not a great a great big deal. However, the momentum is different. The, the the view is a case of we've taken half of our take half of our points from the first four games, and and we've we've got the two hardest away ties out the out the way as well. So Ferguson McGregor don't run up a fifteen hundred pound bar bill in Cameron House. Uh, Ferguson McGregor don't sit and give the fingers on the bench because Ferguson's on the pitch because he's not falling out with anybody because that's going on anyway. We beat Iceland. Um, Ross McCormick's played really well in that game, scored in that game as well, um, and is starting to show his worth as a Scotland player. Following on from that, we then go to Norway, which as we know, I think we've discussed this at various occasions, for me is the worst Scotland performance kind of of my lifetime, essentially. There's been bad ones here and there, but that one in particular, losing 4 nothing in Norway, was a catastrophe, absolutely terrible. Um, and that was kind of the real turning point for Burnley in terms of where things really started to unravel. However, for that game, because Barry Ferguson and Alan McGregor haven't fallen out with us, we don't have to play Graham Alexander in central midfield against Norway. We've got Barry Ferguson in there, who, while he's reaching the sort of twilight of his career, he's still playing for Blackpool in the Premiership at that point, I think is right. So the back four are protected an awful lot better. And we don't experience the Gary Caldwell, Stephen Caldwell comedy cut show because while they are bad, the midfield in front of it is fundamentally better. Um, what means is well, what that means as well is that Ross McCormick isn't hooked after half an hour in order to bring on Christoph Berra to get another certain half. Scotland play well, McCormick scores, and we get a point. So we get a point in Norway is absolutely fine. It's not a terrible result. We're not winning our away games, but it doesn't matter. We beat Macedonia at home because we did that anyway. Then we got a draw. Just the, the best. Uh, would Scott Brown still have uh, absolutely smashed the ball off the boy from the uh, drop ball that kind of won his yes. game? Because yes. that was my one of my favourite moments. Um, and McFadden still scores his lovely Macy goal. As long as those things are preserved, I'm happy. Yeah, those things are preserved because those things happened anyway, so okay. we can hang on to them. So we get a draw against the Dutch in the last game. So we we're going into the game and we don't have anything like the same level of pressure as we did going into the Dutch game because we essentially had to win that game to give ourselves a chance to, to, to get to the playoffs. We go into the game knowing that we're already in the playoffs, essentially. So we draw against the Dutch, which doesn't really feel like a, a massive big deal, but we've taken, a, we've taken a huge amount of pressure from the Dutch and we've played really well, we've defended well, we've done well, we've had some chances, we've not really taken them, but it doesn't really matter. It's just 
that's that, that's it's more the, the performance that's important there. We then take Ireland's place in the playoffs because they would have been the, the, the worst-ranked uh, second-place team, which matches up against France. Now, if you remember in World Cup 2010, the French absolutely imploded in South Africa, absolutely felt a bit. So we, as a Scotland team, have already beaten France twice in the past couple of years. We've already got their number. We're already under Thierry Henry's skin after he said that he'd see us in Paris and then fucking lost there as well. Um, we right the wrong from the last campaign and we go to South Africa. So the, the game at Hamden was nothing each, but again, it's a good performance. We don't concede. We then go to Paris. McFadden-McCormick score um, in Paris as France just completely collapse under the pressure. Playing the Stade de France is too much for them with Scotland playing well, playing aggressively and doing fine. Uh, Anelka and Gilkuth are sent off for France and then the, there's a shot of William Gallas sobbing in the centre of the, start, in the, centre of the park at the start does, does Henri still do his handball but it doesn't count for anything? No, no he's, he, he's, the, the game's done with it absolutely finished no, no diplomatic time. No, no extra time no diplomatic incident between uh, the, the French and the Irish We're, we're not asking to be the 33rd team at the World Cup Yeah like, <laughs> really we've solved a lot of problems with that one to be honest so that takes us to the World Cup um, France were in Pot D because they come through the playoffs, which means we would still have been Pot D coming through the playoffs as well. So we take France's place, which means for the second time Scotland playing the opening game of the World Cup. I know that, that doesn't quite work, but let's go with that. So France or Scotland play South Africa in the opening game of the World Cup in South Africa, except this time because we've been there before. We've got all the build-up. We have John Collins comes back and speaks to the squad and explains to them what it's like playing in the opening game of the World it, Cup. He shows them his six-pack. Of course, inevitably so. But this time, because we've had the result against the Dutch, who are a better team than South Africa, we've had the two results against France, who are a better team than South Africa, we go into the game and we win uh, as Chris Boyd comes off the bench with 20 minutes to go, because we need a goal. Like he's, uh, this, at this point, Burnley does turn to Boyd, so Boyd scores the goal, which wins us the, the game in the, opening, uh, in the opening game of the World Cup. We lose to Uruguay, because you guys were dead good, so fine. But crucially, we draw in Mexico, and that sends us through to the round of 16. And then we get knocked out by Messi, but that seems fair enough. Yeah, no, that, that, that seems like a, a nice timeline. Um, it would also mean that um, the Republic of Ireland wouldn't get gifted the route straight into the next Euros, um, which which they definitely did. They, they, played, they, got, they played Armenia in the playoffs, is that correct? Or Estonia? They, played, they beat Armenia Estonia, and they played Estonia, Estonia in the playoffs. And they, they got the dodgiest decision of all time against Armenia, which means that they're a bit less confident going into the um, Euro 2016 group as well, um, if we go that far forward. Um, and again, like you said, our, 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 our UEFA ranking had been jumped up anyway because of the previous campaign. Getting to a major tournament keeps us in a high pot, which means we, we, don't, we, we don't suffer as much when we start falling apart. Yeah, that, that sounds very plausible to me. Um, yeah, yeah. It was, so on Evolumo, so you've talked about the Scotland side of it. This did kind of somewhat... I'm just looking at the Chris Evolumo um, Wikipedia page because I remember at the time Evolumo um, coming through... Or not coming through, but he was at Colchester and he had an amazing time there in the championship. And then before you know it, it was uh, he went from Colchester. Um, he signed for Charlton. He had a good year there. And then that was when he went to Wolves. And it was when he was at Wolves he got called up for Scotland and when he was at Wolves um, he had just or he just won he was just about to win 
the Championship Player of the Month award. And then after it, he had a goalless drought of 16 games. I don't think that goalless drought happens. And I think Chris Iwilumo gets his chance at the top flight um, in, in England uh, a, bit, a bit sooner. And, and he actually goes on to have a really good career. St. Johnston don't win the Scottish Cup because they don't have him on the bench as a moral support. Ryan Gold um, is a hero for Dundee United in the Cup final. And Ryan Gold goes on to be a, a stalwart of the Sporting Lisbon first team. Andy Robertson is overshadowed by Gold in that game. And then because Andy Robertson's been overshadowed by Gold in that game, he doesn't go on to have the career he has in Liverpool never win the Champions League. <laughs> These are my favourite scenarios for it all plays out. It all kind of, if you if you play it out, it all kind of makes sense, but then ultimately uh, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever as well. So yeah, all very good. All good. Um, um, so I have a few st- a few stats from around the game as well. So um, I looked up the top ten from the day. It's actually a pretty good one. So uh, so I don't know number ten. It's a uh, gym class heroes featuring the dream with cookie jar. Is that familiar to you? No, no, I don't know that. I also Igloo and Hartley, who I've sort of heard of with in this city. Doesn't sound familiar at nine. But from then on up, uh, number eight is the Pussycat Dolls When I Grow Up. Good song. Number seven, uh, I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. I was playing Just Dance to that the other night to keep myself fit. Um, then Disturbia by Rihanna at number six. One I don't know at number five, um, I Love You Anyway by Boyzone. I've heard of Boyzone, but I don't know that song. Oh. Number four, Sugar Babes and Girls. Again, I know Sugar Babes, but I'm not sure about that song. I do, know, I do know that Colin Farrell was rejected to join Boyzone. Was... Oh, yeah, good, good, good on him, actually. I don't know if that's worked out better or worse for him. He'd probably be richer if he was in Boyzone. Um, number three was The Shock of the Lightning by Oasis. Number two, Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. Um, and number one was So What by Pink. So, quite a good chart. My uh, my my own personal memory of the day, particular highlight was we had uh, my pals had a flat on Cathcart Road uh, above one of the Indians. There, it was a massive, great big flat, and it had been her birthday the day before. So we'd gone out on Glasgow on Friday night, um, stayed up drinking in their flat till daft o'clock. Woke up in the morning, essentially rolled out of bed, opened up a can, and it was just like sitting on the windowsill looking out over Cathcart Road. They sort of waving at people and having a bit of paddle back and forth, and some this group of guys were like hold on there's a pub up there let's go to that pub this isn't a fucking pub mate it's not a pub it's not a pub this is just a flat don't put, don't press the buzzer just just keep going just you keep going there's nothing to do with that it's, it's grand and uh, flipping off Norwegians from a, a first floor flat as well which was always very good fun as well but, yeah. laugh. I've got some so a couple of stories from the Norway team so you mentioned Breda Hangeland earlier yeah um, so I've just got a BBC news story which is um, Felix McGat admitting that he told Breda Hangeland to treat a knee injury with cheese. <laughs> but the German who was sacked by the Championship Club last week says the story has been distorted by the media. Defender Hangeland claimed McGath took him, told him to treat an injured thigh with a block of cheese soaked in alcohol. However, Magat61 said, I merely suggested it could be worth trying the old wives' tale of applying quark cheese to the injured area. Right, cool. Um, and, and he was then defended by Sasha Rether, who was the right back at Fulham at the time, who, who was a German, fellow German, who, who basically said, of course. I mean, of course he would ask him to, to treat his uh, leg injury with cheese. Um, Fulham's, an odd, Fulham's an odd place. It's like. a very odd place. Um, and the other one I've got is uh, John Carew. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so apart from being my favourite player to have in my team in Pro Evo back in the day, because you could just hump long balls up to him and he always won them. Um, by this point, he was kind of maybe on the wane a wee bit. Um, he was at Aston Villa and he got fined by Martin O'Neill for going to a lap dancing club the night before a UEFA Cup game against Ajax. Now that's all bit well and good from John Carew from his playing days. Do you know what John Carew was up to this year or last year? Not his finished idea. John Carew starred in, or was, or was certainly in, the film Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, um, which features uh, Angelina Jolie, Elle Fanning, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Imelda Staunton. Um, he's, he's genuinely in this film. There's like pictures of him going to the premiere and stuff like that. Uh, and he played the character called Jungle Warrior Faye. That's sensational. Uh, this is the first time it was, it's... Uh, <laughs> it's it's been a, I've been familiar with this. It was this film was nominated for um, an Oscar, but not not for any of the acting for the makeup. Um, hey, John Carew's coat. It, it no. could well have been, could but um, that was uh, that was something I discovered um, on research in this game. Uh, so magic that was uh, Scotland nil, Norway nil. Brilliant. That's us rounded off another game on that list, the Scotland list that I do actually enjoy. So good, please subscribe to the Patreon to listen to Craig and I do a Scotland list that we did not enjoy, <laughs> but it's actually quite good fun anyway. I'm Josh Schneider-Weiler. And I'm John McKenzie. We know that the football news cycle never slows down. But sometimes, don't you wish it did? <laughs> On the Football Today podcast, we give you in-depth analysis of the most interesting stories from around the world of football. And hear from the most knowledgeable journalists in the game. You can listen to each episode in the time it takes for a single commute. So join us now and subscribe to Football Today, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Fowler once again here to bring you an offer of free beer. Who doesn't love free beer? Well, we've partnered up once again with the good people at Beer52.com and they're giving our listeners the opportunity to sip eight delicious and painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash terrace and just cover the postage of four ninety five. And if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the terrace, you'll get an extra two free beers. So that's ten free beers in total for terrace listeners. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries planet Earth has to offer. No surprise then that they are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, South Africa, New Zealand, California and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave any time. The power is in your hands. As well as the best, most interesting beer money can buy, your case will include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment, which explains the theme and individual beers you'll receive, and a beery snack is thrown in just to top it off. If you don't like dark beers, you can choose the light plan instead. Easy. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash terrace to get your case free. And don't forget right now, the terrace listeners get two extra beers free. The second piece that we're going to do is following on from seeing uh, Jason Cummings doing blindfold, keep you up, he's in his back garden, wearing a Minion t-shirt. We realised there was a solution um, to Scottish football. And while there's a lot of solutions going around in terms of uh, reconstruction and various other things which nobody actually cares about um, what I'm suggesting and what I propose is that the SPFL should centrally hire 11 players and one manager 
who should then be distributed uh, amongst the, the 12 top flight teams. Uh, ideally, we'd like to expand this to 42 clubs, um, but uh, there's not enough time in any day to, in order to come up with a list of 42 players and managers to be distributed to each team for a bit of patter. So we've stuck to the top flight because we know what we know. So, and, and this fund, who, who is paying for this fund? The, it comes it come, essentially allocated pot. So before the club, before the money is distributed out to the clubs, a portion of that is kept centrally in order for the SPFL to sign players or managers on but, the basis of that they'll be good fun. But we are making the assumption that the, the new Sky deal is worth about 300 million times what it actually is worth. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the same as everybody yeah. else is, yeah. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. So okay. there, are, there are a collection of mine which are reasonably doable. There's a collection which are very much not. Almost uh, all of mine are not. Good. So have you? How have you ordered yours, Craig? I've done. I've done sort of alphabetically. I have also done it alphabetically. Right. Well, let's start. Give me your Aberdeen. So I've uh, got Aberdeen to sign Erling Brout Halland. Um, just because well, there's a couple of things. Um, I would just love to see Derek McInnes then sitting him on the bench to pick Curtis Main at centre forward, or playing him wide left, essentially. And I'm hoping yeah. that maybe playing in Scotland will knacker him before he maybe has to play against us in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I could imagine. It does have that sort of... If the playoffs ever happen, who knows? It does have a that sort of real throwback uh, period as well to uh, Aberdeen signing Hans Hillhouse as well. Uh, a man who ended up in Aberdeen because PSV Eindhoven had signed Romario, um, which, I mean, you can say it as a sentence, but it makes absolutely no sense at all. Um, a lot of mine have tried to sort of stick to a vaguely Scottish team. Uh, so Aberdeen, I'm given Ross McCormick um, on the basis that not only is a free agent um, at the moment, uh, he would fit... I, I, you say at the moment as if he's suddenly about to sign for someone. Um, he, this is the second thing, but I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about Ross McCormick today and I, it does make me very sad that things have worked out the way that they have for him and that he is he remains one of the most exciting players that I've ever seen play for Motherwell for a very short period of time. Um, however, if he could get himself anywhere close to what he can be. And even if he doesn't, it can be great part of Aberdeen as him and Derek McInnes go absolutely taunto at one another. He fits for Aberdeen. He can fit anywhere in, in, in Derek McInnes' sort of fluid wingers and attacking midfielder, which hasn't really worked for the past 18 months, but might work with somebody else in it. So I've got Ross McCormick. Um, for Celtic, um, I'll do. I'll give myself it when then when we get to Rangers, I'll explain it all. But Celtic simply are getting Rafa van der Vaart. Okay, um, Celtic for me are, uh, and I'll, I'll explain my thought process behind this. Um, Celtic are getting uh, MP Douglas Ross. <laughs> um, so I started off. I was like, right. So this is my logic. I went right. Well, let's give Celtic someone shit to try and kind of balance, balance things out. Yeah. Um, and so I thought, um, I, I, my mind eventually went to Louis Tomlinson um, playing for them and getting absolutely melted by Gabriel Bonlahor. And then I thought, but you know what, that's a wee bit unfair on Louis Tomlinson. I don't really mind him. Um, it, I mean, One Direction, they, they do some good songs. They're, they're, they're not that bad. Um, and then I thought, so who do I not like? Um, and that's when uh, Douglas Ross MP came into mind. And so for Douglas Ross MP, I'm now saying um, I would quite, in- it would make Celtic worse. Their fans would hate him. He would despise the notion of playing for them, I'm pretty sure. And he would get absolutely battered up and down the pitch every week in Scottish football. I don't see a negative to this. What position would, Doug- would Douglas Ross play for Celtic? Because um, I would presume I, right, I would presume right wing. Hey. Um, I have, for Hamilton Ackies, I have George Boyd. 
um, mainly because he genuinely looks like he could be a Hamilton Aki's player. Um, he's got the everybody presumably I presume not alone in this in that loving players with long hair um, and, and presuming that they're better than they are is, is inevitable because they've got long hair so they're, they're immediately fancier I, I do remember he uh, when he got called up for Scotland B he essentially said that the, the, when he turned up at Broadway that it was the first time he'd ever been to Scotland which is what you want from a Scotland cap is that that's the first time he'd ever been in the country um, but him on one him on one side of the park David Templeton on the other side of the park, I think is great value. Um, him presumably making a, a lot of fullbacks look very daft, and it gets Hamilton Aki's at a Scotland call up as well. Um, so yeah, George Boyd going to Hamilton Aki's. Yeah, I've gone for a Lino Messi for Hamilton Aki's just because I'd love to see it. What would they look like playing alongside like Sean Want? Um, get you know, get getting passes kind of feeded into him by Scott Martin. I'd like to see these things. Um, Messi and Scott Martin on a daily basis and I'd like to see what he made of the plastic pitch debate fine Uh, Lionel Messi says plastic pitches are okay (laughs) I'd like to see that headline Uh, okay Uh, at Hearts I I thought this was a really obvious one for Hibernian but then I decided it was an awful lot more fun to do it the other way around Uh, so Hearts are going to be allocated Liam Henderson Mm. um, predominantly on the basis that everyone wants Liam Henderson to come back so we can fawn over how brilliant Liam Henderson is because he looks like a very good player and if I see more photos of him wandering around Italian well not just now but wandering around Italian cities wearing wonderful suits um, with fantastic hair or like just he just looks like a, like like he's been steeped in olive oil for about six months um, so I think sticking him into the Hearts team um, would really would really get the juices going uh, for a lot of people um, be similar to I don't know Anyone else's sort of great hero turning up at their rivals, or the the, the, the the one of the architects of the greatest moments in your in your club's history being done by like the someone from the opposite. Like as if it turned out that Henrik Larsson was actually a massive Rangers fan, some stuff along those sort of lines. So yeah, Liam Henderson off the Hearts. Yeah, I've given Hearts Mario Balotelli. <laughs> um, I'd like to see Mario Balotelli in Scotland. It would be amazing value. Also, it would be very nice to see how quickly Hearts fans would turn on him. Um, it, um, in a number of ways, and then it would be, oh, I didn't like his boots, or you know, like the, the way it was with Isma. Um, um, I'd like to see him at Tynecastle, and it could go one of both. It could really go either way. He could get the kind of Pania Scatchel cult hero status, or he could very much get that kind of immediate pantomime. Ricardo Benyusis. Yes. Um, but um, he would be, in terms of value for Scottish football, imagine um, getting, getting Balotelli in. It's not as unfathomable as it would have been, given that he, um, you know, he had to drop down and play for Nice for a wee while and stuff like that. It's not, yeah, I mean, okay. as well. Yeah, and... and he, okay, yes, again, um, playing for, in places like Nice and Brescia are probably even still more appealing than even Edinburgh. But if you're going to get attract them to come and play for Scotland, it's got to be, well, it's it's got to be Edinburgh. Yeah. It can't yeah. be. I mean, maybe if St Andrews had a team, you could maybe get them in there. It would have to be somewhere quite nice. Um, I can't imagine them pitching up in like Mullerwell or Kilmarnock, to be quite honest, as much as that would be interesting. Uh, for Hibernian, uh, I have fully cheated and I've gone for Stefan Omionga uh, to bring 
more than anything else, just to keep him on his uh, Instagram stories, uh, doing his, uh, his slide at the bathroom the other day, uh, playing the piano for what seemed like the best part of an hour, just tinkling away on the ivories. Yeah, absolutely. Bring me Stefano Younger on a, on a long-term, centrally funded deal by the SPFL to Hibernian to make everybody happy. But even if he doesn't play, I think it'll be fine. Um, so I have gone for uh, Hibernian FC Sergio Ramos um, because I would love to see him uh, teach Ryan Portis a few things. Um, I can imagine them both being the kind of same sort of uh, same sort of defender. That's what Portis, I think, I sees himself as being as an absolute shithouse centre-half. You've already got him doing the diving. You've already got him kicking people up and down the park. So I'd like Ramos to kind of teach him a few tricks. And can I'd, I'd, also, I'd also really enjoy... Portis try to explain to Ramos about the YLT as well. I think that would be some good value. Um, and then you've got uh, Ramos v Balotelli in the Edinburgh Derby, which it's already not a football match anyway, so you might as well, you know, make Time something of it. Me up. Uh, for Kilmarnock, I've got a gift for you, Craig. Yeah. Uh, it's Fraser Hornby. Excellent. Uh, Fraser Hornby, who every time he plays for Scotland, looks as if he's growing another inch in every direction. Uh, not in the tubby way, but in the big, strong, absolute unit way. Um, and he's reaching the point where he, he genuinely looks like a sort of can machine my leg sort of uh, scenario there. Um, him playing alongside David Brophy makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, makes uh, significantly more sense than the, the other Scotland uh, youth player, uh, Robson Sinclair. Um, Harry Sinclair, sorry, who looks about sort of five stone dripping wet. Fraser Hornby gives you the other end of that scale. Is a big unit. We get to see him develop for Scottish football. We get to see him throw several halves around. Bring us Fraser Hornby. So, so that, um, for Kelly, I've gone for one of the uh, the two of my kind of manager double that I've got here, which is uh, Marcelo Bielsa. Um, just Bielsa, his football teams are uh, exciting. They they just run about a lot, all of that stuff, and I'd like to watch it. And and I've picked Kelly because I'd like to watch it every week rather than just every now and then. Just a gift for yourself. Exactly. Um, I, I went along the same sort of same sort of logic with my manager, but not quite there. Um, Livingston are going to the return of the return of one of their most famous sons. Livingston get Robert Snodgrass um, on the basis that I, I think I, I'm not entirely sure which order the, the Scotland list has gone out and now that we've recorded it all. I don't know whether we've done Snodgrass already. I presume not. Um, but if you whenever that comes out, you'll hear my love letter to Robert Snodgrass as well. I absolutely adore him in a big part because he's a big shit. Um, and the idea of, sort of Snodgrass playing wide for Lyndon Dykes, Marvin Bartley in the middle, is that sort of triangle of, of midfield and attack for Livingston um, is absolutely fantastic. He would drive the other 11 teams and the other 11 fan bases in Scotland absolutely bonkers. Turning up at the, t- at the Tory Mac, winning fills, leaving studs in, being a brilliant footballer. Snodgrass to Livingston. I've given them a new manager, sorry to Gary Holt here, but I have uh, I want them to appoint Diego Armando Maradona as their manager. I think he'd get on great with David Martindale. Um, but also as a, um, also as a um, manager, um, you've seen all the patter from him as a manager already in his career. So you think back to Argentina and he qualified for the World Cup and he did a massive sort of clinchman. Yeah, 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 that's when he brought um, in Martin Palermo as well, wasn't yeah. it? Um, and he, and he, he stuck with Martin Palermo then. He took him to the World Cup, where he actually, I think, scored eventually um, on the basis of that. So I'd like a player, that, a manager that shows that amount of loyalty, such that um, 
say something goes wrong and Lee Miller, maybe maybe Falkirk get a new manager, because I think Lee Miller might still even be on loan from Livingston, even though he's the Falkirk manager. Lee Miller comes back and maybe he scores in like the last game of the season. And Maradona's like, right, I'm giving you a five-year contract and you are going to play. And so 42-year-old Lee Miller, and he ends up getting a, a Scotland recall, all, all, this, all the jazz. After, after scoring the winner in the Scottish Cup final. Easy. Uh, back to where we all started, Jason Cummings is going to Motherwell. Um, it's he, he's going to the Motherwell Content Factory um, to see quite what happens or whether it's a case of Jason Cummings gets carried away, Motherwell get carried away, somebody's going to get carried away, everybody's going to get carried away. Um, yeah, Jason Cummings is going to go to Motherwell and he's going to pester the life out of everyone in the ML1 postcode uh, with his dug. So yeah, as, I, I, I'm looking forward to bumping into his dug in the Duchess Park as well. So. Jason Cummings goes to Motherwell. Well, it's a gift for you, Graham. I've actually got two people for Motherwell, which is the, the, the somewhat, I mean, they're all joke ones, but the somewhat joke one and then the real player that I'd like to give you. Um, so Motherwell are going to get Ariana Grande. So you might ask why are Motherwell getting Ariana Grande? Well, Ariana Grande is the third most followed person on Instagram. Um, now, the number one is Instagram itself. So you can obviously get Instagram. Number two is Cristiano Ronaldo. That wouldn't be very funny. So you're getting Ariana Grande because she's the third most followed on Instagram. The football team doesn't need much. You might as well get a bit more exposure. The real answer, though, football-wise, is Muller are getting Diego Costa. Sensational. Yes. Um, this is, this if, is the, only th- the only thing we could possibly want out of this is Diego Costa turning up in a league that doesn't have VAR again. Whether it comes to Muller or whether it comes to anywhere else, just getting Diego Costa in a league that have VAR it doesn't grass on people. It feels like a perfect fit for a Robinson team. Like if you think about Ryan Bowman or somebody did, but then you've actually got someone who's not quite as uh, obvious about it. Uh, Ryan, for the, for the record, Ryan Bowman shared get involved in the football memories thing or whatever on Twitter of everyone being part of a movement of sharing that picture of him at the or sharing the cup semi final picture, not the cup semi final picture that I would have shared of Ryan Bowman. <laughs> But a cup semi-final picture featuring Ryan Bowman made me feel very warm and fuzzy I, inside. I would love uh, the constant debates with Diego Ramos of Andy Walker saying, no, I don't know if, I don't, I don't think he means that. I think he's just trying to put his foot down on the ground. or I think he's, his arm's just up there because that's the way he jumps. Yes. Uh, just repeatedly. For every game of the season. Yeah. yeah. Um, for my for Rangers, uh, they are getting the other, other half of the Celtic, the Celtic Rafa van der Vaart. Rangers gets Latani Ibrahimovic. Um, if you're picking a pair to go to the old firm, they have to be box office in themselves. They can't just get individual players who are good, bad, and indifferent. They need to get players that absolutely fucking hate one another. To add that, it's got to have that level of spice to it as well. Um, I like your. It's the same as Liam Henderson going to Hearts or your logic of having Ramos and Balotelli at Hearts and Hibs. Uh, Van der Vaart and Ibrahimovic hating one another. While also being very good, I know Van der Vaart's been retired for the three years or whatever. It's, it's fine. It'll be, right. be fine. I've got a player that's retired at the end, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Just get up to speed, um, and the two of them. While there's a, again coming back to the reconstruction part of everyone insisting that why the why why the TV companies need four old fun games. This is why TV companies need four old fun games. So Ibrahimovic and Van der Vaart can kick fuck at each other four times a year on television. So, yep, that's what I've got. Uh, I've given Rangers James McLean. Um, I, ju- I just thought he's, he's a natural fit for the club, um, and uh, I want I want him then to be um, coming. You know, I don't. I want him to specifically not wear a poppy, and I want him to do everything that he does in in England. And and I 
think he'll, he'll be widely accepted um, at a club for everyone. Is that what they're calling themselves now? Um, yes. um, the, 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 I've forgotten the slogan, which they've been good now that, um, that they've been doing. He'll be widely accepted there. And, and to be honest, quite honestly, if he did eventually um, like rattle in a winner against Celtic, they would be giving him the same natural novel treatment. You know, yep. he said no and all that sort of chronic patter. Uh, for Ross County, uh, Ross County are getting a manager. So sorry to sorry to the, the Stephen Ferguson and Stuart Kettlewell. My apologies to it. It's nothing personal, but it made most sense to me. In that, similar to your Bielsa shout of of someone creating creating something again in the, in the very cliched way of more than a football team, you are creating a mentality within the Highlands. You are creating a a, a siege mentality to the Highlands uh, that he's done at international level. That he's done it at club level a little bit so Ross County are getting Slavin Bilic oh, yeah. um, to be manager to to, to build them a, a, build them the, their Highland Seas mentality so that they, they go on a run of like three years without losing a home game that they continue everything nobody ever wins in the Highlands it's the, the, the or travel to the Highlands is difficult but this time it's actually difficult because Slavin Bilic has turned the place into an absolute fortress as well as that every Friday night his uh, metal band his metal band play in Johnny Foxes as well and Inverness as well so not only does Billich become Ross County's manager he becomes the, the he becomes the symbol of the Highlands um, the sort of punk rock uh, fire smoking uh, tank of a man that is Slavan Billich takes over at Ross County can, can I make one request that he brings with him like Vedran Choluka or something like that and then he has or, to wear, or, the, wa- he has to wear the water polo caps yeah or Dimitri Payet well, my option for Ross County is um, a similar along similar lines to yours in terms of a person who can just be the icon of the Highlands is Latin Ibrahimovic. Um, he would kind of eventually kind of he would arrive and declare himself as like the king of the Highlands or something like that, and then he would um, essentially systematically go about buying up the entire Highlands of Scotland, building statues to himself left, right, and centre everything else and and on the park he would be you know still playing till he was in his mid 40s and then he would uh, just generally show what he can do on the park but also just be a, a massive asshole as we know he is um, yeah. and everyone in the Highlands would love him everyone in the rest of Scotland would hate him I think that, there's a lot of sense in that um, for St Johnston I've gone for a, a bit of a throwback um, to sort of early 2010 uh, St Johnston teams and that's Johnston are getting John Obi Mikel, mm. um, who is not only a free agent but is also a, a former Chelsea player, um, which I really feel is, is, is the as much as I've enjoyed St. Johnston kind of since that since then then as well. Um, there was always something that really something really special about Michael Dubey and Joe and Jody Morris uh, turning up and playing for St. Johnston. It's, it's something which is kind of passed over in sort of recent Scottish football. It's weird because it was, certainly I can't remember if Jubilee did, but Morris played for them in the first division. Yeah. And and both of them them were very, very good for St Johnston as well. But it's one of those things that's kind of passed over and and not really, it doesn't really seem like a big deal perhaps because it's St Johnston, which is terribly unfair. But as just as a, as a, it seems absolutely mad. Um, Bearing in mind that like Jodie Morris um, once battered like Javi out of a game um, absolutely bonkers so along those same sort of lines uh, I was essentially on uh, transfer market looking for free agents that were ex-Chelsea players 
Um, and John Obi Mikel is, is the most obvious one in there. So bring John Obi Mikel to He's also a really good fit for St Johnston midfielders because you don't know if he's good or not. I've watched John Obi Mikel play football for about 10 years and I still can't tell. And, yeah. and that kind of fits in quite nicely with a lot of the players they have. Uh, for me, for St Johnston, I've gone for James Milner. Um, I just think he's a really, um, you know, St Johnston player. Not very interesting. That's who they would want. If you ask St Johnston, you know, which player do we want? Anyone in the world, they would probably pick James Milner. He can fill in at fullback, does a lot of running about, nice, unfashionable player, but gets the job done. Uh, and that leaves us with St Mirren, who I have gone for Johnny Russell uh, on the basis that Paisley's near the airport, which is good for Johnny Russell because it means he can continue to be selected in Scotland squads. Um, I'm just going to have him actually just live in the stadium as well. Well, well, we could live in the airport. We could get him like in boots or something. Just stick him in the back of boots and travel to games. Uh, if, he gets, if, he's, if he lives in the airport, it's going to take him forever to get to games because he's going to need to go through security. Nah. So he's going to live in, he's going to live in uh, the Simple Digital Arena um, in, the, in the office just at the end of the tunnel. He can, he can live in there. Um, and then every time a Scotland squad's announced, even if he's not in it, he can just continually be on standby because he's just there anyway. Uh, for St Mirren, I've uh, I've kind of got them to fulfil the long-awaited wish. Um, it's been a it's been a long time coming. They are finally getting Ronaldinho. Um, he's in prison. He's in prison. Yes. So it's a win-win here because um, that I presume that the SPFL's mandate here will allow them to extract him and extradite him straight out of the Colombian or Brazil, whatever country. Paraguay, in, I think it's Paraguay. Paraguay in prison that he's in at the moment. Um, so he's got his freedom. He comes to live in Paisley where he should keep himself out of trouble. Um, and he uh, can roll back the years in a St Mirren jersey. He can maybe do what Stephen Thompson did for St Mirren or going all the way back to um, the Spanish guy whose name I forget now, which is terrible. Um, um, Victor. Victor played yes. for St Mirren back in the day or Sergio Baltacha. These guys who rolled back the years. Um, I'm now, I'm now doubting whether Baltach actually paid for St Mirren because his son did and I'm thinking maybe he didn't. But anyway, we're rolling back the years. Uh, St Mirren can, can do well out of a veteran. Um, Gary Teal had a good spell there. Um, Ronaldinho is, is very much in the same category as Gary Teal as a footballer and therefore I would like to expect him to, to come and do good things. Does that mean that when uh, St Mirren appoint Tommy Craig for like the fourth time, Ronaldinho's going to leave in the half because he didn't get a job? Sounds about right to me. Sounds perfect. Right, that'll round us off for our 12 gifted teams, our 12 gifts that the SPFL are going to give to the 12 top flight clubs. Uh, do let us know if you have some other suggestions so that we can pass it off as our own pattern later, later down the line. Um, thanks very much, Craig, for your time. Uh, thanks very much to everyone for listening. Uh, I believe there'll be a Patreon, after, Patreon on after this. There's various other Patreons appearing throughout the week just now. Um, if you are looking for, for a little bit of extra things to listen to, I know the $5 one is there. It's patreon.com slash podcast. Um, and we are continue to make podcasts just now. Um, and we will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. Um, there's also a good chance that they will get quite daft, um, which I think seems an important thing to do just now. Uh, so thanks very much, Craig. Thank you, Graham. Have a, have a good one. And I'll speak to you in another two days when we're doing more podcasts, probably. Absolutely. And I hope you're all keeping well. I hope you're all, I hope you're all keeping safe. And we hope to see you all soon. Cheers. Cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network.